بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف المرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين We agreed well I said and you just nodded your heads that we'd have uh, subject matters during these holidays that will be inshallah beneficial for us as adults but also to our youth and our children and we take lessons from the verses of the Quran and from the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. We'll try to keep it fairly simple so that it's easy for the young man's minds to, to grasp and understand. <coughs> um, one of the verses in the closing chapters or closing verses of uh, Surah Al-Kahf, right? Which is the Surah that we recite uh, or we're encouraged to recite every Friday and Rasulullah says or promises that the person uh, who recites uh, the Surah Kahf from one Friday to the next Friday it, it is a means of guidance, light for him right? and it protects from fitan, from uh, trials and tribulations Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these closing verses uh, he states قُلْ هَلْ نُنَبِّئُكُمْ الذين ضل سعيهم في الحياة الدنيا وهم يحسبون أنهم يحسنون صنعا. Allah speaks to us in relation to certain people who are the greatest losers with relation to deeds. They are the greatest losers on the day of Qiyamah. Allah describes them as الذين ضل سعيهم في الحياة الدنيا. They are making a great deal of effort, a lot of actions in this worldly life. But their deeds are going in vain. All the while they are doing these deeds, thinking that they are doing, they are accomplishing something good. And they think what they're doing is righteous and it is good. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, that their deeds are in vain and as a result of that they are complete losers. Why? Because when you make an effort you want to gain something at the end of your effort. You study, you want qualification, you um, uh, work, you want uh, some sort of earning. For every effort you make you want something at the end, a product that you will gain something. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes these people as they are working, making efforts, thinking that they are doing good, yet they are the greatest losers. In another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes it by saying, أَفَمَنْ زُيِّنَ لَهُ سُوءُ عَمَلِهِ فَرَآهُ حَسَنًا فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يُضِلُّ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ Allah is asking Rasulullah but asking all of us through this verse of the Quran to consider and ponder a person who is doing evil but thinks that he is doing good so his evil deeds have been beautified to him Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ يُضِلُّ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ Allah lets 
whomever he wills go astray and he guides whomever he wills. So these are uh, important verses uh, in the Quran that are drawing our attention that as we know as Muslims what is the most valuable thing that we have in our life? What is the most valuable asset? Hmm? We started this series that number one it's Iman. Second is time that we have. And then it's our health. And then everything else comes third. So Iman is the most valuable asset. Meaning that if Allah is to take away Iman from you and if you are to lose your Iman along this journey then you are a complete loser in this world and in the hereafter and your loss is an eternal one you know if you lose your health you're not careful with what you eat you don't exercise and what have you okay you're going to suffer but your suffering is temporary only in this world if you're lazy you don't you don't work and what have you, you you're going to suffer but your su suffering is temporary only in this world it will come to an end whereas the loss that you face by losing your iman it is eternal so this is very important for us to realize and to remember and to thank allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for it and to work very hard to protect it iman okay now shaitan is constantly working in order to take away our iman because he was driven away from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah commanded shaitan to prostrate to Adam he did not he said you are rajim driven out of the mercy of Allah so he made a promise to Allah that I will destroy the progeny of Adam the children of Adam I will destroy them and the way he does that is by ensuring that they go to hellfire eternally and he can only gain that if he takes away their iman and he made the promise to Allah and Allah says Okay, let us see what you have, what you will accomplish. Not knowing that despite his efforts and uh, his, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes that he has armies that he employs to lead people astray. Ultimately, guidance and misguidance is in what? The control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this iman that we have Shaitan will attack our Iman and this is important for us to understand because this is the most valuable asset that we have so we want to protect it and ulama state and actually this is in the ahadith of Rasulullah that Shaitan will or the conclusion is taken from the ahadith of Rasulullah that Shaitan has two ways of attacking a person one is through Shubuhat and one is through Shahawat. These are the two major sort of avenues through which Shaitan will attack a person. Shubuhat is what? Translated as confusion. And this is what Allah is pointing out in this verse. Where a person is confused doing something that is wrong thinking that it is good and it's even worse when it is related to a person's faith when a person is believing something that is utterly wrong 
and so far removed from truth. But he thinks or she thinks that this is the truth. There is no remedy for this person. The one that's involved in haram, committing sin, knowing inside that this is wrong, but I am doing it because I am weak and I have a desire and I hope Allah is going to forgive me. Um, we're not saying this is a good position to be in, but it is a better position than the one who's believing something, who has a worldview, who sees the world in a certain way and has you know, principles that he or she believes in, thinking that all of this is good. This is the truth. While it is, in fact, falsehood. So this is known as shubha. When falsehood comes across seemingly as the truth. And this is what Allah is describing in the Quran. That these people uh, who think that they are doing good deeds, they have been what? They are in what? In a state of shubha, confusion. Right? They're confused. And this is what shaitan seeks to do. He alters truth and falsehood in a way that truth becomes falsehood and falsehood becomes truth in the sight of people. And Rasulullah said that uh, in a hadith, uh, paraphrasing that uh, before the days of Dajjal, there will come days of falsehood where the trustworthy person will be considered as not trustworthy. Things change. What is right becomes wrong. And what is wrong becomes right. And we are living those days right, where things in people's minds are what? And this is, this is a trick of shaitan in order to lead people astray. So the first one is what? Shubha. Shubha. And the Rasulullah has described this in many ways. For example, that uh, shaitan will attack you from the thought in a hadith he says that, uh, that a person will, will say who created this, who created that who created the sun, who created the moon, who created the skies, who created the stars who created the, the mountains, who created the earth, the streams, the rivers, the sea all, all of it and he responds Allah, 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 Allah and then shaitan comes and says so who created Allah? This is what now? This is a, it seems like, you know, it's a logical question. You've been asking, Allah created all of these things, so who created Allah? But it is what? It is a shubha. Shaitan wants to confuse you. And he does it with a logic that actually does not apply to Allah. Everything is created by Allah, so who created Allah? But that question actually does not even apply to Allah. But the person who's asking this question thinks that they are completely logical. They're just asking a question. So this is one path through which shaitan will come. Where he will seek to change your understanding. And this is why it is so important to hold on tightly to the rope of Allah, which is the Quran. So we believe <coughs> in all of the statements of the Quran. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed it is haq and truth <clears throat> and it is not subjective it is not subject it is a very clear truth it is an evident truth however 
understanding Quran requires that we do what? We seek its understanding from learned people. We are living now in a time <coughs> where people seek to reinterpret the Quran or reinterpret parts of the Quran because they're not comfortable with it. You know, it's not the social norm. What, what are you saying? You can't say that when everybody else is saying otherwise. So let us do what? Let's find some sort of way of interpreting these verses and then we... And when you do that, you think, because these are akhsarina a'mala, these are the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing. This person thinks that they have come to a, you know, logical conclusion, reading passages from the Quran, when actually it is so far removed from the truth. A very simple example that we will give that uh, today there are claims that uh, because of certain verses of the Quran uh, in relation to khamr and wine and intoxicants in general um, they claim that actually Quran does not say it's haram you know openly it's not like they're seeking to you know they're having this discussion with one you know on, on, on television or online, right? Something that is uh, 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 going to be viewed by perhaps hundreds of thousands of Muslims, if not millions. And the person sits there th saying that actually wine is not haram. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked us to... Uh, yes, to refrain from it. And refraining does not mean to make it completely forbidden. You know, it's something not good. And then they will bring another verse of the Quran because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do not attend salah whilst you are in a state of intoxication. So clearly you can be intoxicated, but just don't pray salah in that state. Now anyone who understands or who has, who has uh, taken uh, uh, their understanding from the ulama, and the Mufassirin who have taken their understanding from the Tabi'een and Sahaba and Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam know that certain verses in the Quran are revealed and then the, the rulings will change and this is called abrogation. So not every verse in the Quran which you find is going to be applied. So this is a very simple example. And th when this person is speaking, Allah knows of their intention, but they seem that they are themselves convinced of their opinion. Right? You have people that will come uh, along and want to question things that, beliefs that have been accepted by the Muslim Ummah and the scholars of the Muslim Ummah for generations. For example, a question about the punishment of the grave. Denying the punishment of the grave. Why? Well, because the Quran does not state that there is a punishment in the grave. And then seeking to do what? To interpret. Because you are going to be faced by the strong ahadith of Rasulullah So seeking to interpret and saying, well, no, that's, it's not physical. It is the punishment of the soul. And it's just the soul knowing that it's going to go to hellfire. So it is in some sort of... Where the ahadith are very clear. Where Rasulullah in almost his every salah or regularly made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We know after our tashahud 
and sending salutation upon Rasulullah we seek protection from Dajjal and from seeking protection from punishment of the grave and punishment of hellfire so in protecting our iman we have to ensure that we are holding on to the teachings of Allah the Quran and the teachings of Rasulullah and we are going to need explanations for them because we cannot go direct to the source we will not understand the source right Rasulullah was sent if, if it was the case that you just need a text then Allah subhanahu wa would not need to send prophets and messengers just reveal a text and everybody reads it but Allah subhanahu wa says that the, 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 the duty of Rasulullah is to recite the verses so reverses are Verses are received, Quran is received by Rasulullah from Allah and he passes this on, he recites the verses. But that is not his only duty. And then Then he teaches them the book, meaning he teaches them the correct understanding of the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is not a book that you just, because it is not compiled and written by a, by a human being. Right? Anything that is written and compiled by a human being, you know, you can take it and understand it in whichever way that you want. And two different minds are going to have two different outlooks and there's nothing wrong with that actually. Although, you know, it may be possible that, let's say for example, you know, I, I write a, a, a text and Muhammad reads it and Ali reads it. We may, all three of us have completely different understanding of what that what is the context of that text, right? The writer will have one opinion, they will have one opinion, uh, you know, Muhammad will have one opinion, Ali will have one opinion. One opinion is not more uh, 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 valuable or more closer to the truth than the other. Just because I own the text, it doesn't mean that, well, it's my opinion that has to be taken. No, right? All are possibilities. But that is why, because we all share the same intellect and we share the same language. So something is written, we read it, and then we utilize our intellect to understand it. But when something is revealed from Allah, we don't share the same intellect with Allah, do we? We don't share the same language with Allah, do we? So how can we seek to understand, and even worse, to understand it just from a translation point of view? This is leading away. So understanding, number one, that in order to protect our Iman, we have to protect ourselves from shubuhat. And shubuhat are doubts that come creeping from shaitan. Right? And this is a very uh, bad position to be in. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not to test us with, with shubuhat because the person who is tested in this way, they think that they are doing good and they are believing what is the truth? Whilst it is so far removed from the truth and there is no way of that person realizing unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees sincerity in that person's heart and that person continues their search and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leads them to the truth eventually. So in order to protect ourselves, we have been given what? Quran and the Sunnah of Rasulullah and he promised us that as long as we hold on tied to the Quran and the Sunnah, then we will be protected. 
But it's also a fallacy to think that I am going to go to the Quran and I am going to go to the to Sunnah and I'm going to understand them. This is what? It is impossible. It is not your field. Right? Because the interpretations of Quran and Sunnah have to be taken from Rasulullah and from Sahaba. And it is a ilm that is known as tawqifi. It is as it was revealed. It cannot be changed. We cannot sit and reinterpret the Quran. We cannot sit and reinterpret the Sunnah. Yes, we always say that there are miracles in the Quran that may not have been obvious to people before or understood by people before and people will, will understand it today and there will be things that we don't understand in the Quran today, miracles that we do not see, that will be understood by generations, later generations. But when it comes to matters of belief, that is complete. It cannot be reinterpreted because of the changing of time. When it comes to the matter of practices, that is what clearly defined and nothing can be added and nothing can be taken away. Why? Because these are matters that we take and we submit to and this is what makes us a Muslim. That you submit to the will of Allah in relation to your belief, in relation to your emotions, in relation to your actions, in relation to your likes and dislikes, regardless of what is going on outside. Regardless of what the world is telling you, regardless of what your personal experience of the world is telling you, what you see, what you hear, what you think, what you say, all of these things you put them to one side and you put, you give priority to what? The command of Allah and the teaching of Rasulullah. This is what? Submitting to Allah. But if you take the Quran and you take the ahadith of Rasulullah. And you apply to them interpretations and meanings that you want. Then what have you done? You're no longer submitting to Allah. You're submitting the word of Allah to your mind, to your understanding. And we all know that our mind and our intellect is limited. How can you rely on your mind only to find truth? And to find success when if you don't sleep for two nights you start to see things if you don't eat for a week all you'll be thinking about is food so realizing that your your mind is what is limited yes it is a very important tool we're not seeking to cancel out the mind and say well don't use your mind you just blindly follow no Allah says to ponder utilize your mind try to understand the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala why he has made certain commandments, why he has made certain prohibitions. And that will increase you in love for Allah and appreciation for the command of Allah because you're using your mind. That is better than just, you know, just going through motions, not knowing what is it that you're doing. However, don't seek to do what? To change meanings and to find ways of adapting Quran to what you want and what you wish and what you desire because that is a danger so protecting our iman from doubts and confusion that is brought by shaitan and at times it is brought in a completely logical way but we have to understand that what quran and the sunnah will not be subjected to our logic because it is revelation from the most high 
and the logic of the human being does not apply to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because his knowledge is what? Unlimited. His wisdom is what? Unlimited. So for that we need the Quran and the Sunnah and hold on to, to this and this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands that hold on tight to the rope of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all together and do not create division amongst yourselves. So Quran and Sunnah but understanding that what you need to have the correct knowledge of Quran Sunnah correct interpretations of correct understanding of the Quran and Sunnah and that is taken from whom? From ulama. And the ulama, and this is why Rasulullah gave them this responsibility and he said, Al-ulama uwarathatul anbiya, they are inheritors of what? Of the prophets. And when you take from a alim, you need to know that that person is number one, qualified. But that is not enough. Being qualified and certified as a alim is not enough. But rather, it has to be a person that you see is committed to the sunnah of Rasulullah So in their practice, and this is why it's so dangerous to just go on YouTube and take your deen from YouTube. Yes, you know, you can listen to lectures, reminders about, you know, this worldly life, you know, uh, reminders about akhirah, reminders about life after death, uh, you know, general reminders. But taking principles of belief, you don't just click a, a, a video and watch and just because the person has a beard and a very nice turban or, you know, very nice thawb and they're very eloquent, that does not guarantee you anything. And you're putting yourself in danger because now you are going to listen to things from somebody that you think, and this is where the confusion happens. You think this person is a scholar because it says sheikh or it says big sheikh so and so <laughs> right so you're listening and you say mashallah he's big sheikh and then what happens is that he's telling you and he's indoctrinating your mind and you're saying yes yes and he's using verses of the quran and a hadith of rasulullah and you're saying yes oh yes this this is true now you you've done what you've taken something and accepted it as the truth whilst there is a possibility that it is not the complete truth. At the very least, there may be other truths, right? There may be other ways that Rasulullah has practiced a certain, uh, for example, just the example of Salah. Rasulullah we know from different ahadith that he did different things in Salah. And also Sahaba did diff different things in the company of Rasulullah and he did not say anything to them. So all of that applies, right? But if somebody tells you, no, no, it is just this, this is it, that's it, no, nothing else. Everything else is bid'ah. And it is innovation. And you accept it, and you've looked at the evidence, or rather heard the evidence that is presented, and you're, you're, now what's happened to you? You've been indoctrinated with what? That is not, you think that is what the Quran and the Sunnah is saying. But it is not, it is the interpretation of one person. Now, it's fine. You are going to follow uh, a, a scholar. You are going to learn your deen from a scholar because this is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعَلَمُونَ So, you will, you will be leading yourself astray if you go direct to the source and you say, you know what, I'm going to make my, my own judgment. Okay, well, 
Let's look at, because you're going to have problems just for salah. Where are you going to find five daily prayers? Right? And people, you know, they say, okay, well, we look at the sunnah. Okay, you look at the sunnah. Then uh, how are you going to deal with your working life? How are you going to deal with the commands of Allah in relation to your relationship with your parents? How are you going to deal with the commands of Allah in relation to your relationship with your wife? with your employee, with your society, with your uh, extended family members? How do you deal with your enemy? You know, find that in the Quran and, and Hadith of Rasulullah is, It is not the job to extract rulings and the teachings. It is not the job of, of, of everyone to go directly to the source, but also to take the wrong, uh, follow the wrong person is dangerous. So you will say to me, but how am I supposed to know that this person is, uh, you know, a alim that I should take from or not? It's very simple. Look at their life. So if you cannot perceive the life of a person, then don't take from them. You don't know that. They may be very good. We're not saying they're not. But you don't know. <coughs> you need to look at the, 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 the person who comes to your... And this is why we say, generally, when a person comes and asks a question... They say, we say what? You need to ask your local imam. You need to ask the people who are knowledgeable in your locality. Because they're clear in front of you. You see that they're praying salah, they're going to the masjid, right? They're adhering to the sunnah of Rasulullah So there is hope. Even those may make a mistake, but there is hope that they will guide you correctly. And if they make a mistake, then you're not held responsible. Because you've made a judgment in accordance to what, what you see. And you said, yeah Allah, you know, I trusted in this person. And they made a mistake. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive you and forgive them the shortcoming and the mistake because nobody is, everybody is fallible except for uh, Rasulullah. So, protecting our iman from doubts. These doubts are created by shaitan in order to take our iman away. If we go into this path, then one question leads to another and one door opens another until you end up in uh, at best confusion a state of confusion about your belief or at worst denying the belief because it doesn't make any sense to you that is not to say you can't ask questions you can ask all the questions you want just don't expect to find an answer for every question you ask not immediately at times it has taken you know very learned and righteous scholars that had a question about you know something in belief or something in practice and it took them you know a decade two decades before they found the answer you will find the answer inshallah but do not expect it just ready-made is just going to come and just because I can't find an answer to my question it doesn't mean there's something wrong with the with the faith or the principles of belief or the or the commands of Allah and the teachings of Rasulullah no there is something wrong with what with my understanding of the command of Allah. So I have not reached that level. For that we need to protect our belief with whatever is in the Quran and the Sunnah. And we need to have the correct teachings from the Quran of, on, on the Sunnah by following the ulama. And not following anybody that you know, speaks about Quran and anybody that speaks about Sunnah. And we, you know, and they, unless it is general subjects of of Islam, motivational talks, things of that sort. Yes, anybody can speak. Anybody can speak about Allah. Right? Uh, there is no exclusivity in this. 
Anybody can speak about Allah, anybody can speak about Rasulullah anybody can motivate others for akhirah and doing good deeds and following the right path. But when it comes to the particular principles of faith and practices, here this is an area only for the ulama that we take from the ulama. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect our iman and to protect us from doubts. Inshallah, next week we'll continue with desires. We said that shaitan comes at us from two uh, avenues. The first one is doubts and confusion in relation to our belief and our practices. And the second one is from the, the, the door of uh, um, desires. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us.